Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Check. Hey, I did it. I turned it off and then turned it back on. Wow. Double tap, Mike. Anyways, good morning, Takeover Church. How are we doing? How many of y'all are glad to be found in the house of God this morning? Come on, you know that you could have been anywhere else this morning, but you decided to be here. And you know what that means? That means we're two or more gathered in his name. Come on, whose name are we here for? Whose name are we here for? He is able to do exceedingly above all that we can ask, dream, and or imagine. Come on, somebody. When we gather around the mighty name of Jesus, come on. There is miracle, wonder, working, signs, and wonder kind of power available to us in this room. His presence is alive. It is active. It is here. And he's ready to move. Are you ready to receive? If he's ready to move, are you willing to be moved by him? If he's willing to talk, are you willing to listen? Man, we are in such a unique season in church. Adrian preached brilliantly last week. Give it up for Pastor Adrian, my beautiful wife. Come on, somebody. Six years in, she has survived. Uh, I have existed in an abundance of grace and mercy, both by the Lord and by her, for six years of marriage and nine years of life together. But uh, you're the realest, baby. I love you. Um, but she preached brilliantly last week, and as we continued our Live No Lies series, and she actually broke the news that in January for those four weeks we aren't doing babes and boys crew we aren't doing team nights we aren't doing community nights for four weeks in a row we are doing not one not two not three but four every single Wednesday in the month of January we are dedicating the month the first of the year to the Lord we are seeking after him in nights of worship right here at 7 p.m. every single Wednesday in January why because, man, we are experiencing something together as a community that so many, pa so many pastors and preachers and revivalists have only dreamed to have come. We, we may be small at the moment in, in, in numbers, but friends, we are deep in the Lord. We are building such a heritage and reputation and rapport with heaven that he is just showing off in this room, showing off in living rooms. Wednesday, we couldn't even wait. We had our last team night of the year and we couldn't even wait for January to get here. We just had a night of prayer and worship. And I'll tell you, it was just like the seek night last month where we just got before the Lord and there were words of knowledge. People were praying and prophesying over each other. Chains were being broken off. Lives were being restored. Hearts were being mended. All with 20 some odd people in a living room in the middle of the hood here in Grand Rapids. God is able, is he not? And that is the goal. That is what we are going after. Revival or bust. Amen. Revival in our day. Don't despise small beginnings. Zechariah 4.10. Because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Come on. Well, this morning, I have the honor and privilege of preaching again. And uh, also, that's by the grace and mercy of God. So if you've got your Bibles with you, get ready to get them out. This morning, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is, you ready? The reality of prayer. The reality of prayer. The reality of prayer. We're continuing our series, Live No Lies, and we are coming out of Luke 11, 
5 through 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't have your Bible or a light-up phone, you can check it out in the Sky Bible up here. Yo, give it up for Evan and DJ and Steffi all in the booth, holding the things down, making everything sound just absolutely beautiful. All right, Luke 11, 5 through 13. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. This is Jesus. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I cannot help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? We're going to pray, and we're going to see what the Lord will do that. Sound good? Fantastic. Father God. Father God. We're just waiting here for you, God. God, we ask that right now you would just ready the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in this place, God. God, we ask right now that you would just have words from your lips to every single person in this house today. God, whether we know you, have a relationship with you, or we're still far off, still living our own life, still dead in our sin, God, we ask for a word from heaven, from you today, God, that would change all of our lives in an eternal value kind of way. Father, right now, we're not interested in playing church. We're not interested in religious ceremony. We aren't interested in pageantry, God. We are interested in presbytery. We are interested in the Holy Spirit. We are interested in the power of God. We are interested in you ruling and reigning in our lives, God. We are not interested, Father, remaining the same people we are currently in this moment. What you started during worship, God, we ask that you would bring to completion here now, Father. Father, come build us. And if you must, come break us. But God, restore us to what you want us to be, God, so that we can be hosts of heaven and revival in our day. Father, we are here for you and you alone. So come and have your way. Ride in on the praises of your people and we will be careful to get out of the way so that you can do what you want to do. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled, bold, audacious, crazy kind of Christian people said. Amen! Come on, somebody. Give Jesus some noise in the house. Come on. A reality called prayer. The reality called prayer. 
I don't know about you, but we've been going through this series called Live No Lies. And honestly, this, this series, this, this last few weeks, man, we've, we've, we've done a good job, I believe, of recognizing lies in, uh, in our world, in our society, in our culture, uh, whether it's people, whether it's demonic, whether it's the enemy, Satan himself. There are just things that have been trying to institute themselves, principalities of darkness that have just been trying to lie to an entire generation of people, whether that's in the church, in the nation in the world at large. I feel like we've done a really good job of taking the word of God and smashing those lies to smithereens. But as I began praying, because I knew I had a word from heaven that this series was, was to be how we finished out the year, who's ready for 2021 to be behind us? Know this, God has more for you in the next four weeks than you can even imagine. One word from heaven in these next four weeks can change the entire trajectory of your life. Don't try and get out of 2021 too soon. Don't let your mind live in 2022 already. There's four more weeks and your word from heaven is not avoid community until Christmas so that COVID isn't a threat. That's not a word, that's fear. The word from heaven in your lives and in my lives for these next four weeks is lean into his presence as much as possible. Friends, 2022 does not carry the promise that Jesus carries. There's one name, there's one king, there's one authority, there's one throne. It is not New Year's, it's not America, it's not COVID, it's not Moderna or Pfizer, it's not stay inside. One king, one rule, one authority, one sovereign name, Jesus Christ. But we've done a good job. But one thing that the Lord has been saying to me, I'm just so arrested, I'm just so arrested by this phrase, I want you to know me. I want you to know me. We have done a good job of tearing down the lies in our society and in culture and all of these things right now. We've slashed it down with the word of God and we've shown it because how many of you are grateful for truth? Truth is awesome because there is mudslinging, there is media corruption, there is a bunch of booty being spoken about everything, all the time, everywhere, but then there is the truth of Jesus Christ that cuts through all the mud, that cuts through all the lies, that tells us this is demonic, this is truth, this is you, this is God, this is the devil, and therefore everything falls by the wayside because we have this one thing. But I feel like a lie that the church has believed in this season is about herself. It's about herself. It's about the body, it's about the bride, it's about the church, what our function is, what our role is, who we are, what our purpose is, who we are as individuals, who God is to us, what our assignment in the earth is. These are the things that I'm beginning to be grieved by and I'm being inconvenienced by. When I have an idea of where I wanna go, God goes, no, my bride, she's been lying to herself. My bride, she's got body dysmorphia. My bride, she can't see what's really going on. She's more powerful than she knows she is. 
She's more holy than she thinks she is. She's more capable than she knows she is. My bride, she doesn't see what I see. I want to know you. I want you to know me. I want you to know me. And it is those words that have arrested and captivated me. And I believe that's for all of us. Friends, God wants to know you. And most importantly, he wants you to know him. Friends, we talk about this all the time, don't we? We talk about the the Holy Spirit. We talk about God's power. We talk about dunamis. We talk about anointing. We talk about revival. We talk about all of these things. But what I'm afraid of, what I'm afraid of, is that in the pursuit of power, in the pursuit of revival, in pursuit of outpouring from heaven in our day, in the Midwest, friends, I'm no longer, I am no longer okay with Takeover Church Grand Rapids. That banner can be thrown down. I want Takeover Midwest. I want the Lord to do exceedingly above what Matt can even dream or ask or imagine, Ephesians 3.20. I want him to do so much more. But I am concerned. I am concerned that we are a generation more, more in pursuit of power. Let me put it this way. We are more in more pursuit of a product than we are a person. We are in more of pursuit of a product than we are a person. Friends, I got to tell you, I'm deeply concerned because while all of these things are amazing, while power is incredible, while answered prayers are incredible, while all of these things are absolutely amazing and we are going full on into it, friends, let's never make the mistake that God is simply to us what he can do for us. God cannot simply be to us what he can do for us. I am grieved, I am concerned, and I believe, friends, I believe with every inch of my being, with every fiber that I am, I believe that it is an intimacy with God the Father that will actually give way to the power of God the Father. It's an intimacy issue. It's an intimacy issue. I look at our generation, I look at the world at large right now and there's all of these things and friends, I love the reckless abandonment pursuit that we have of revival and power and dunamis and all of these things. I am for it, I am with it, I am here, I am the first guy running out the door, let's do it. But I'm afraid, I'm afraid that we've begun, we've begun to pursue a product instead of a person. I'm concerned that we've began to pursue the gifts instead of the gift giver. I'm concerned that 
we've begun chasing after the things of God and leaving our relationship with God behind. Friends, I am more convinced today than ever that it's intimacy that will give way to power. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. Is my mic broken? Check one, two, check one, two. Is it quiet enough for a loud guy? Cool, thank you. You see, friends, I look at our generation right now, and as I look at these areas that I'm speaking to, I'm trying to get myself back on track here. What I see is a lot of people living living off secondhand knowledge of God. You see, power from heaven is only found in knowing of the Father of heaven. Power from heaven is only found in the knowing of the Father of heaven. And here we are. I feel like it's no longer enough. I don't think it's ever been enough, but certainly right now we need to put dead in its tracks the lie that we can live off of second-hand knowledge. Second-hand knowledge, friends, will never produce first-hand power. Second-hand knowledge of who the Father is, of who God is, can never produce first-hand power in the earth. It just can't. It just can't. You can't live off my faith. You can't live off a YouTube preacher's faith. You cannot pray and believe based off simply what you hear here today. You have got to get in the word of God, get in your prayer closet, set apart time to meet with him. Do not move from that time to meet with him. And you need to pursue him. Not because of what he does for you, but who he is to you. Friends, secondhand Knowledge. Secondhand knowledge will never produce firsthand power. I curse you. Just kidding. Who's grateful for the heat in a warehouse? Praise God. There's a reality called prayer. You see, There's a reality called prayer, and in that reality, I feel like we have gotten really off base with it. Not just us as a church, I just mean as Christians at large, because it's easy to do. I think you hear prayer today, and maybe you're just now starting to follow Jesus. Maybe you're just now getting involved in church. Maybe like some of these things are now becoming a part of your vernacular and your vocabulary. Maybe you're kind of starting to get acquainted with some of these uh, the, these. Um, obviously they're more than ideas or concepts but right now to you where you're at perhaps there's still an idea or a concept and, and so you're starting to get acquainted with all of this begin to scratch the surface of understanding these words and, and what they actually mean and for so many people especially with all of the tragedies going on it's just so easy to tweet out thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers prayers uh, sending prayers your way, sending vibes your way, all of these things. And suddenly prayer becomes just this, uh, to some of us, this sympathy word that we just throw out there. Some of us, prayer is just a, is just a ceremonial word passed down by the church for tradition's sake. 
For some of us, prayer is just this idea of what a crazy Christian does on the inside. It's an inner monologue where we, by ourselves, try to talk ourselves out of the self-situation that we found ourselves in. Friends, that, none of those things could be further from the truth. Prayer. Prayer is not simply an inner monologue by crazy Christians to try and talk ourselves out of how we are feeling. Amen. Prayer is not simply something that we say on ceremony and ceremony alone. Amen. Prayer is not simply something that we then just tweet out into the universe as if there's some cosmic net in the universe that's shapeless and void but if my words go up maybe it'll get stuck in the ether and the sun will tilt and shine on me in the right way and I'll feel better tomorrow that's not prayer that couldn't be further from the truth you see the reality of prayer is that prayer is powerful prayer is active Prayer is alive. Prayer, prayer if it's done right, is the word of God. Prayer is so much more than well wishes. It is authoritative, declarative proclamations from heaven that have the actual ability to tangibly, physically change and alter the world and people of which we exist in and are around. Amen. Prayer is powerful. But for so many of us, Prayer has lost its weight. Prayer has lost its salt. We have lost the plot of what it actually means to pray. Because prayer isn't well wishes. Prayer is not an inner monologue. Prayer is a dialogue between a father and a son. A father and a daughter. Come on, somebody. A potter and his clay. The creator and his image. A master and his servant. Prayer is a dialogue. Amen? Amen. And it's a dialogue that we are able to discern what God the Father is doing. So we are able to discern what Matt the son should be doing. What Kyle the son should be doing. What Adrian the daughter should be doing. Prayer is so we can discern what our Father is doing and then discern what we ought to be doing. Amen? You see, Jesus in this moment, if you don't know, in this portion of Scripture, He's with His disciples. He just got done laying down the amazing word where he's like, and when you pray, pray like this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Come on. We love it. Problem is, we always stop the message there But I'm telling you, there is so much more power in the rest of this moment. There is so much more knowledge in this moment. There is so much more how we are to live and operate when it comes to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Friends, Jesus in this moment, he gathers his disciples and he says, Boys, listen, this is how it is. How many of you love when Jesus tells you how it is? I do. Make it real clear for me, bro. Make it real clear for me. I need it. 
And he says this, say, say you had some great need, right? Yeah, say, say, say you needed something. Say you needed uh, three loaves of bread. Say your name is Zach Kramer and you're coming on. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Say your name is Zach Kramer and you need three loaves of bread and, and it's the middle of the night and you know what, you're in this really Jewish community where there's not multiple beds in the house but there's actually one bed in the house and it's a family bed and it's like this swaddling style where the father goes in and they're all lined up and he tucks in on this side and he tucks in on the toes and then he himself is last to get in the bed himself and everyone is bundled and everyone is snug in this entire family. It could be four, it could be five it could be eight everybody is in this giant community bed but say you have such a great need that's how they did it back then fam it's wild okay you think you got a problem cuddling now good luck in heaven anyways so just kidding but say you needed something and you go to your friend's house in the middle of the night and you just stand outside his window like you're John Cusack with a with a yes boom box my man with a boom box outside his window just blaring I need something I need three loaves of bread we hungry it's late I need it and Jesus says well he's but he's all tucked in See, it's not just him that's tucked in, it's his family that's tucked in. You see, like, his entire house, it's the middle of the night, it's already in order, everyone's tucked away, everyone's sleeping. Like, right now, this is an actual, like, disruption, and we're, you know, about to call the police. Like, he's like, but he, he won't get up for friendship's sake. He won't get up for friendship's sake. But what he will do, Zach, is he'll get up for shameless persistence I love that phrase I love that phrase shameless persistence what will get God up in the middle of the night how many of you know God the father is better than Zach your friend okay he doesn't need to sleep he only rests when it's Sabbath he does everything on purpose so how much more greater is God the father than your friend in the middle of the night because what Jesus is speaking to here is that shameless persistence will actually move God shameless persistence will get God up shameless persistence will cause the king of heaven to stop whatever he is doing. The king of heaven is willing to be, if we can even say it this way, inconvenienced by you because of your shameless persistence. Somebody in the house this morning needs to leave with that phrase written on the inside of them shameless persistence will move God you see for so many of us here's here's how our relationship with God looks right now we are either fickle or we're faithful we are either fickle or we're faithful we're either growing in fickleness with God or in faithfulness with God and it all depends on how we view this word shameless persistence because so many of us Shameless persistence. Can I ask you an honest question this morning? 
How many of you guys feel shame when you pray? How many of you feel shame when you pray for the same thing? How many of you feel shame when you pray for the same thing over and over and over again? The prayer card each week says the same thing. The text message you're sending in the middle of the week says the same thing. The things you're posting in the prayer chat says the same thing. You're coming down front to the altar for the same thing. How many of you have ever felt shame when praying? You don't have to put your hand up. It's a rhetorical question. I know that I have. I know that sometimes the most uncomfortable place I can be as a Christian is standing in a point of contention where I am contending for the things of heaven while living in the reality of earth. That point of contention, that point of contending where God says he is able, but I'm over here in Struggle Street, where God says he has more in store for me, but I'm over here catching the bus on Struggle Road, okay? Like when he has all of this for me and he says my riches on heaven and earth, it is made available to you. All you have to do is ask and I'm over here pleading and I'm over here crying and I'm over here struggling. I know it's easy for me to begin to feel shame when I begin to pray. Friends, Will shame, will shame rob you of what persistence could give you? Will shame rob you of what shameless persistence could give you? You see, because in this moment, what Jesus is speaking to is such a greater truth that I'm sure these boys even understood in this moment, you see, friends, when shame begins to rule us, shame isn't just a feeling. Shame isn't just a shadow. Shame isn't just embarrassment. Shame is when we are moved and ruled and positioned in this position by the opinions of man rather than the truth of God. Shame is when we begin to live by the opinions of man rather than the truth of God. Because the truth of God, here's Jesus. He knows his father better than anybody, right? He's a son. He is God. He is three and one, one and three. He's God. He knows God the Father. And Jesus Christ himself is saying shameless persistence will get God out of bed on your behalf. But so often we go, Man, I can't put that prayer card in again. What are they going to think if I put that in again? We already prayed the last three weeks. What a, I'm just because the situation isn't over, just because the healing hasn't come, just because the marriage isn't restored, just because the finances aren't there, just because all this stuff is still not happening. But you know what? Like, man, people are sick and tired of hearing my problems. People are sick and tired of of not seeing God move in my life. I must be a leper. I must have sin in my life. I must have something going on because he hasn't moved yet and we've prayed. And you know what? What are people going to think when, oh, I can't come down to the front again, man. Matt's doing a call to action. There's an altar call. And, and yeah, the Holy Spirit's moving in the room. And I feel like I should go up there. But God, I just can't. I am paralyzed by shame. 
I just can't. What are they going to think again? There she goes, right up to the front, right down the aisle one more time. Man, God must have left her a long time ago. Four weeks in a row, she went down there. And here she is again, right back at the altar. And these are the thoughts we begin to have, aren't they? I can't even text my pastors because, man, they are tired of hearing the same old song and dance. They are tired of hearing it because I, for whatever reason, I don't know what the sin is. I've rid myself. I cut a bowl cut on my head. I live like a monk. I give all my money to church. And I just don't know while this cancer isn't leaving me yet. I don't know what's happening, but I know they're sick of hearing it. They could possibly not care anymore. I just need to pretend and I just need to put on and I just need to wear a mask and I just need to show up and act like everything's Gucci. And shame begins to rob us of what only persistency could give us. You see, friends, our relationship of God goes one of two ways. It's either living or it's dying. It's either growing or regressing. It's either faithful or it's fickle. And so many of us, we will allow the shame, the opinions of man, the people around us, even holy people, the good people around us, we will allow the opinions of man to rob us of the blessings of God. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. But you see, there's this reality called prayer. You want to talk about revival? There's a reality called prayer that exists for the faithful and not for the fickle. There's a reality called prayer that exists for the faithful and not the fickle. When we decide we are going to live shamelessly persistent lives, I don't care how many times you come down to this altar, you come until you receive. I don't care how many times you put in a prayer card, you put in a prayer card, you burn as many as those as it takes. You put as many in until you receive your blessing, until you receive your healing, until you receive what heaven says is available to you. Amen. I don't care how many text messages you send me. We're going to live with shameless persistence until we see the reality of heaven eclipse the lie found in the earth. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Because what ends up beginning to happen is what if our city saw us as people who could get God up? What if our city recognized 3584 Roger B. Chaffee was a place, 5,000 square feet, where God gets up? What if our city recognized the church at large, not just takeover, we, we this is a big old kingdom here in Grand Rapids, and we just one room in the house. Hello, amen, right? We got brothers and sisters. I don't care about theological discrepancies. I don't care where we fall. Man, if Jesus is Jesus to all of us, then Jesus is where we're going to unite, amen? Come on, somebody. So if revival is recognized in our city, because our city goes, you know what? The church is able to get God up. The church is able to move God's hand. The church is able to make his face shine upon me. Talk about revival. What begins to happen when those around us recognizes that we are the ones who are able to get God up? Even your enemies. What if your enemies knew, Calvin? Man, Calvin gets God up. I hate that guy. He's got two gyms, mixed martial arts, incredibly handsome, doing really cool stuff. Hate that guy. 
But man, I just found out I have stage four cancer and I know Calvin, Calvin can get God up. What happens, what happens when some other inexplainable, maybe, maybe COVID hits and there's a, there's a, a child with some sort of whatever autoimmune disease that was already there and suddenly there's a child in your classroom and they are on a respirator but you know what the parents know that Angela knows how to get God up oh Ben he's in the hospital he's on a respirator but he's told me about you he comes home all the time and and he says that you are just this incredibly faithful person and I don't even know how he knows these things but I know Angela knows how to get God up. Can you come to the hospital? Can you call on the phone? Can you pray? Can you get your church going? What happens, friends? When the people in our lives, our friends, our families, our enemies, our acquaintances, the people around us, they go, you know what? Micah knows how to get God up. I think his church is a cult because they believe the word of God, but you know what? Micah knows how to get God up. You send him that clip. But Micah knows how to get God up. Friends, what if we lived in such a way that we just gave ourselves fully over to shameless persistency? Friends, what if I told you today that it is intimacy that will give way to persistency? What if I told you there is only something in knowing God that can actually move you into the power of God. What if I told you this morning that it is the level of which you are willing to be intimate is the level of which you are going to remain persistent? Amen. Amen. That's a great word. Amen. Take that home with you. That's for free. There's a level of which you can be intimate that will give way to persistence. Friends, Friends, this is a conversation. This is a dialogue. This is a declaration. This is a download from heaven. My love, can you turn that off for me? There is a way. There is a way. Just the one over here. The other one's fine. Just, yeah. The giant AT-AT head over there is making noises at me. Oh. They are a frost terrain vehicle in Star Wars. Anyways. There is an intimacy with the Father that will give way to a persistency with the Father. Friends, he is so much more than just your friend that you need five loaves from in the middle of the night. He is Abel. He is Yahweh. He is Jehovah Ratha. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Nisi. He is Lord of all. But so many of us we will live our lives following Jesus, settling for being acquaintance of Jesus. You see, shameless persistency, standing outside the house, knocking on the door, banging, being persistent, finding these things, they only come from faithfulness and not by fickleness. So what Jesus says next is actually incredibly powerful and we have gotten it wrong time and time again. You see, Jesus, 
he says in this next moment, he goes, those that ask will be given. Those who seek will find. And those who knock, the door will be open to you. Understand that. Ask, seek, knock. But where we get this wrong is we hear ask, seek, knock, and we think that those are three and the same. We hear ask, seek, knock, and we hear that, yeah, those are what we got to do. That's a level playing field. Friends, there is a reason Jesus says those that ask, those that seek, and those that knock. Hello, somebody. Come on. I can feel the divine revelation of heaven in this place. Let Jesus blow your minds this morning. Okay, hear me today. Ask, seek, knock. Jesus differentiates for a reason. There are those who ask, those are, there are those that seek, and then those that will knock. This is three different relationships. This is three different levels of intimacy. This is three different places in a relationship with God the Father. These are three different levels. Come on, somebody. This is the meat that will sustain you in a long winter. This is next level Christianity, and we need to get there because, friends, a long winter is coming. And I don't just mean outside. I mean the world of which we live in. I mean where more will be required from you. I mean when it's going to be hard to be a Christian. I mean there are days where this will be difficult, but the church is still called to shine bright. Amen. Those that ask, those that seek, and those that knock. Friends, those that ask, I love that. I love that, but so many of us, we have died we have died either literally or spiritually because we never moved beyond asking in our relationship with God. Asking is awesome. How many of you guys know there is a difference to the level of intimacy depending on the relationship you have with somebody, right? There's a difference. There's a different dialogue. There's a different conversation. There's a different way you speak to somebody that you're close to and those that you speak to that you kind of know, right? Like, so if we're stuck in this level of ask, Asking is great. Let me first and foremost say this. Asking is great because I want to celebrate you. Maybe today there's no shame on you. This is a shame off kind of place. Come on, somebody. Spirit on, shame off. There you go. But there's a level to this. And if we're in a place called asking so much so, I want to say this. Asking, that's awesome. I'm so proud of you. Asking by definition is actually still great faith because you actually believe that there is a God that you've never met in the flesh, in the person, that you have a relationship with through space-time continuum. You're not sure how it works, but something came alive on the inside of you when you met Jesus, and here you are asking. That's great faith by definition. I celebrate that. But the problem is not so much in the asking, but in the answering. Friends, what do you do? How do you respond when it feels like God isn't answering my prayer? How do you respond? What, what, is your, what is your innate reaction when you feel like, God, I sent the message. I see that you opened it. You left me on red. You left me on scene. God, your little face bubble popped up on Facebook, okay? Lord, he has showed up in my meta, okay? I see that you saw my request, but you left me on red. You left me on scene. You left me on open. How do you respond to that? 
Let's take an honest evaluation of that this morning. How do you respond when God seemingly leaves you on red? You see, friends, this is where that whole fickleness and faithfulness thing comes into play. Because so often, if we only remain in this asking thing, it's like, yeah, I know him, and, and I'm sure if I asked, he would show up, and I'm sure if, he, if I asked, he'd come around, if he asked, he'd help me out, and like, yeah, I could drop a text, I could send a message, and I'm sure if I asked, he'd be down. But what happens when you begin to feel like a month goes by and you haven't heard back, you haven't received, you haven't gotten a word, you haven't arrived, nothing has moved, the mountain is still there, the sea is still raging, and you still need to get to the other side. What do you do? So many have died spiritually and literally in their lives and relationship with God because they stayed at asking, what can God do for me rather than who is God for me who is God to me and this is a great casualty because as Christians believing for revival whether it's in your life your body your city wherever you want to see God revive something that is seemingly dead as a people given over to revival asking and remaining at ask. We will either be faithful or we will be fickle. So you can either quit and become an acquaintance of God, an acquaintance of heaven. I know some scripture. It's my religious view online. I got a bumper sticker that says, are you following Jesus this close? Like I have, I have Christian things But somewhere along the way, I felt like something went unheard. I felt like something went unanswered. I felt like something went un, unresponded to, and God wasn't attentive to my situation. And I just kind of died in my faith. There's those that ask, Jesus says. And then there's those that seek. You see, friends, seeking. Seeking is where the fun begins because if you can live, if you can remain shamelessly persistent in the asking season when maybe you're not seeing the fruition come to pass of what you've been praying for, what you've been believing for, if you can remain shamelessly persistent in the asking suddenly, you will graduate to this level, to this relationship, to this exploratory uh, season with God that you will know him deeper than you've ever known him in your entire life because you have decided, I want you more than I want what you can do. I, at this moment when seeking happens, you move from I need answers to I need you. Suddenly, the provision you're praying for is eclipsed by relationship. Provision is then eclipsed by presence. Need is then eclipsed by met and worth and want and desire and majesty and all of these things that describe God's grandness, his bigness, his amazingness. Whom he is. It's in the seeking that you begin to go, you know what, I'm here 
but your presence has eclipsed my pain. And your love has eclipsed my confusion. And God, the things that you are doing in my life, God, they exceed all of my dreams and my desires and what I thought was possible with you. I still have this area that I am desperately in need of a savior and desperately in need of a resurrection and I still have this pain, this person, this healing, this situation. I feel like, man, we haven't talked about it in a long time. I feel like you've gone distant on it, but I am shamelessly persistent in my seeking and in my pursuit and my chasing after you. And it's in that chasing, that pursuit, that seeking that you begin to learn all of the things about God that aren't just power and not just might. How many of you know he is so much more than just a pretty face? He has so much more than just his might and his power. Friends, if we do not allow ourselves to die in the asking, we will learn some things about our Father that we never knew possible in the seeking, amen? There is an area in our relationship of which we just dive in and we say, no matter what happens in this area, I am more committed to you and our relationship than I am the byproduct of our relationship. I want you, not so much what you can do. And suddenly, suddenly you learn things about God that you never knew. You learn things about his heart suddenly you're more attracted to his why than his what. God, I just ask that you would call a generation back to your heart, back to your reasoning, back to your why. I want to be so hungry for the why of God over the what of God. The what will come when we are running and living and cohabitating and existing in relationship with the why of God. Amen. God, I want to know your why. I want to know your reason. I want to know how you hung the stars and what the purposes of things were. God, I just want to know you. Because how many of you know Jesus just wouldn't send you on a wild goose chase? How many of you know if you're seeking, you're being called to seek, God's calling you to seek, to pursue? How many of you know there is a destination? There is an arrival point. There is a place that you will get to where suddenly you come to the part where Jesus says, there's those that knock. Then there's those that knock. You see, friends, this is, this is the ladder of relationship. See, friends, this is the levels to this relationship. This is the growth pattern, the sanctification process of this relationship. If shameless persistency can get us through the difficulties of asking and feeling unanswered, we will begin to seek. And if we can survive the seeking and learn more about God of his why rather than his what, suddenly we will arrive at a door. And this door... How many of you know there's not just this door standing there in the middle of nowhere for no reason looking dumb? How many of you know if Jesus says there are those that knock, the door will be open to him? Where does that door lead? It doesn't just lead to nowhere. That door on the other side of it has purpose, has provision, has clarity, has sovereignty, has amazing things that God has hidden away for his people. He says that it is to the glory of kings that seek out the hidden treasures of God. 
And so suddenly, worship team, you can make your way up here. Suddenly, suddenly we find ourselves at this door. Seeking has grown to such a level of intimacy with the Lord that we arrive at this door. And Jesus says, this door If you knock on it, it will be open to you. This door is not simply void. It's not simply just a threshold with a doorknob. It's not simply just an entrance way to nowhere. It is attached to the kingdom of God. It is attached to God's house. It is attached to all the things that God says, I have available for my people. There are those that ask, then there's those that continued, and they seek, and then those that seek, and they found themselves at this place where we all desire to be, where we are able to knock on the door of all that God has for us. And how many of you know God doesn't just open the door on the other side and let you peek on in? Hey, it looks really good in there. You got any sugar? Hey, it looks really good in there. You got any five loaves? Yo, is that the new PlayStation? Like, how many of you know on the other side of that door It's not a tease. It's an invite. When that door is open to you, suddenly you are in a rarefied air because you've been tested and you've been trusted and and you've allowed yourself to exist in the uncomfortable. And suddenly here you are at the knocking stage of your relationship. So see, see, so many Christians, they will die in the seeking process because they'll still find themselves at this door and they will be like, why has nothing come about? Why did this never happen? Why did the marriage never reconcile? Why did these things never happen the way I wanted them to? And we will live our lives. We'll start looking at other people and we'll be like, Man, Scott's just a faith giant. He's just a faith giant. Oh, Adrienne, she's just a faith giant. She prays and heaven moves, man. Scott prays and heaven's moves. Zach, Zach is just a faith giant. He's got the biggest faith I've ever seen. He just prays and legs grow out and depression ceases and demons leave and all these things just begin to happen at Takeover Church. And they just got such big faith. There's giants of the faith instead of being something we contend for we become contentious towards but what we fail to understand about faith giants is that faith giants aren't miracles faith giants are grown faith giants aren't just given they're grown faith giants aren't just found they're grown Faith giants don't just arrive on the scene one day and say, hey, by the grace of God, I'm here. No, no, faith giants aren't just plucked from the heavenly places and put in our lives to show off to some unattainable area of faith of which we could never excel to, but they could. God likes them better. God sees them better. They're less sinful than me. No, 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 no. Faith giants are just those that grew faithful instead of fickle. Faith giants are just those that wouldn't settle for asking. They began to seek him out. How many of you know there's a difference in relationship when you go, hey, I need to find you, and you drive around to the spots where you know they'll be. 
you call around to the friends that they hang out with, you pursue. There's a difference in relationship. And there is an urgency and there is a hunger and there is a desire that has grown in you that you are in, almost in panic where I need to find you. And then when you find them and everything's good and everything's healthy, you're elated and that's how it is. When it comes to sometimes when we are pursuing the King of Kings, when he says there are those that ask and they'll stay there and that's fine. But then there's those that I can get to know and they'll get to know me in the seeking. And man, we have some fun because there are some wild questions that are asked and there are some faith measures that are taken and there is some commitment that is trusted and tested and man, it is proven well done, good and faithful servant. And then, and then there's the knocking. Because how many of you know the kingdom of God house of God this doorway what it leads to is so much bigger than you can even begin to fathom it would not serve you well to remain small and walk through those doors you must grow you couldn't remain small and reach everything God has for you on that table and remain small Friends, a big church would be really cool, but big people is better. Faith Giants is better. 100,000 views on YouTube would be awesome, but actual Faith Giants in our city where people know they have asked, and whether they received or not, they kept seeking. And in the middle of seeking, they went through a lot of life and they allowed that seeking to grow them and to charge them and to make them and shape them into the things that God says they could be. And suddenly our city recognizes, our family recognizes, our marriage recognizes, our kids recognize, the people in our daily lives, they recognize. They know how to get God up. We could preach messages. About how the scars on Jesus' back were simply for the scars in your past. The wounds in Jesus' hands were simply for the wounds in your mind and in your heart. We could preach this self-help Christianity and gain a lot of notoriety and we could gain a lot of followers and be completely empty of power those things are good and they have their time and place but the reality is Jesus was actually crucified he was actually killed he actually died he actually rose again he actually defeated hell sin death in the grave and he actually achieved something so great and so powerful that that power overflows from him and onto you via the way of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself says, how much better is God the Father that he is down to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask.
you guys stand? We're gonna get ready to worship one last time. See, we're gonna sing a song called Spirit Breakout. This wasn't even planned. Amy and I didn't even talk about this. But right now in this moment, if you need prayer for anything, physical, mental, spiritual, whatever, my man Zach is in the front, or in the back, sorry, by the banner. You can go and pray with him and trust in the confidentiality that whatever your struggle is, whatever your pain is, whatever you're going through, it'll remain here. It'll remain between the two of you. But right now, if you're in the position of asking as your pastor, I want to encourage you to go from asking to seeking. And if you're in a position of seeking, a long season of seeking, I want to encourage you right now in this moment to begin knocking. To get to that place where you just say, Lord, your house is big and you're mighty and grow me in this season. Grow me so that I can sit at that table and I can receive everything you have for me. God, I don't want to just remain a person of faith. I want to be a person of great faith. I don't want to just be the Christian in my workplace. I want to be known as the person who knows how to get God up. I don't want to just remain Matt. But I want to live and I want to breathe and I want to sing and I want to talk and I want to live and I want to pray and I want to be like Jesus. So as the band begins to sing, Spirit Break Out, if you just want to begin to raise your hands, if you just want to begin to sing right now, I believe our God is amazing. He gives good gifts to His children. And right now, He is looking to give to you this morning. He is looking for some people ready to receive this morning. He is looking for some shameless persistence this morning. If you need to get down on your knees at this altar, we got a comfortable mat for you. But whatever you need to do, don't leave here without receiving what you need from heaven and being emptied by what you don't need in the earth. In Jesus' mighty name, let's worship. Come on, people.